Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. It's good to be able to praise God together and also to weep together and to pray and to share each other's burdens. If uh, you are a little person and your parents want to take you to a place where little people can hang out for a little bit, then you can go now. Uh, But if you're going to hang out during the sermon and you've got good activities, I'll try not to bore you to sleep because your nap time should be in the afternoon, right? You don't have a nap. Come on. I love the crazy eyes my daughters give me when I say ridiculous things. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to reflect on uh, Hebrews chapter 9 together. Father in heaven, you are so good to us. You are beyond our understanding, and yet you choose to show us who you are. And we just praise you and recognize we depend totally on you for all things. Lord, we thank you for your word, which you have given us, which points to Jesus, your son, and for the power of your Holy Spirit who gives us understanding. God, we submit to you. We submit to the authority of your word. We submit to your truth. And we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to see you, to respond to you, uh, to hear you, and to obey with great love and faith. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Hebrews chapter 9, and starting in verse 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. This, to me, has got to be one of the most startling passages in the whole scriptures. Because every day, we come face to face with the reality of our own weakness and sinfulness. We hear of civil war, and it breaks our hearts. And we look at our neighbors, 
and we see the suspicion that our neighbors have for each other, we think about uh, the many ways in which the world is suffering right now. And if one thing seems obviously true, it's this, that sin keeps on sinning. But this scripture says that Christ has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Sin has been done away with. Sin has been defeated. Sin is actually no more. Which means that you and I live in a dream world, kind of a a world that is not the reality The true reality is that sin has been defeated, and what we're dealing with in the violence and the suffering, the racism, the misogyny, the things that wreck our hearts, is not the final reality. Amen. Amen. That's insane in a good way. It's amazing that God has dealt with sin once for all, that Christ has appeared at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the offering of himself. This is what we want to reflect on for a few minutes, that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and that we are free and that that is the reality that we live our lives in, even though it doesn't always feel like it. And so... I don't even know what to tell you because, I, I mean, this was a hard sermon to prepare mainly because I'm like, how do you explain this? So I'm going to do my best and we'll trust that Jesus is giving himself to us while we are here right now. So it says, again, verse 20, uh, 26, Christ has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Okay. So Jesus died roughly 2,000 years ago. That was the culmination of the ages. That was, you might say, the end of time when everything that was supposed to happen has now happened. Now that sounds strange, but what did Jesus say when he was dying on the cross? It is finished. What was finished? Not just the sinning, creation was finished. It is finished. How? How could that be true? Oh my goodness. Well, let's go back. Remember a few weeks ago we went at the beginning of Hebrews we, and we looked at how Christ was made a little bit lower than the angels. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. What did God do at the very beginning? God created the heavens and the earth. What was the last work that God did in creation? What was the last thing that God made? human beings, right? Ah, you can shout that out. Did you put your hand up? You can just shout it. It's okay. God made human beings as the last of his creation. Created how? In God's image. And so, as the creator is, human beings are called to be in the world. As the creator is the source of life, who gives life and causes all things to flourish, human beings as creatures are supposed to cause things to flourish, and we're supposed to reflect the goodness of God in this world. But we adopted a poisoned 
attitude, poisoned ideas about God, and we began to reflect those poisoned attitudes about God in the way that we live, when we listen to the enemy. And so those who were created in the the image of God began to display the image of the enemy in our actions with one another. Now, here's the thing. If God is the one who gives us existence, God gives us air to breathe, God gives this creation, which is so abundant in life. I mean, can you imagine the like just the sheer quantity of light that we enjoy every day. Every day, the sun rises. And even if the clouds are thick, we can still see. Even if the, the smog is thick, there is still light. Can you think about how abundantly the earth brings forth food? We know that there is, I mean, there is so much abundance on this earth that there really technically does not need to be hunger. For human beings, because the earth brings abundantly forth for us. How, how abundant are the waters? Right? And this is, I love this, okay? In the Genesis 1, it begins with waters that are poisonous. They're not poisonous. They're, 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 they're chaotic and empty. But by the end of Genesis chapter 1, the waters are teeming with life. The creator takes that which has no life in it and makes it abound, abound with life. And the, the waters are so full of life. It's extraordinary. But when we as human beings begin to reflect the image of God's enemy in the way that we deal with creation, all of that abundance gets turned into stuff that we want to use for ourselves, right? And we abuse the creation, particularly in the Western world. And so there's a problem. God's creation cannot be said to be complete while humanity remains reflecting the image of God's enemy. Creation cannot be said to be complete while human beings reflect God's enemy in the way that we live together. But when Jesus Christ died, the most extraordinary thing happened. The creation gave itself back to the creator with the same generosity and love that the creator gave himself to the creation. Jesus, a human being, did not live out of that poisoned vision of God's enemy. He is God incarnate. And he, when he gave himself for us on the cross, he reveals God to us. Creation is complete. The image of God is restored and visible and whole in Jesus Christ. And what we participate in now is a renewed creation in Jesus. Jesus said, it is finished. What was finished? All things. Creation itself. How could that be? Well, in his death, these two things happened. One, he did away with our sin. Two, he fulfilled our vocation. He did what we have always failed to do. So he he purified us from sin with his blood. He conquered death by entering our death. But also in giving himself to the Father, he, he did the thing that we have just always failed to do as humanity. Our Heavenly Father has given us abundantly all things in love. And we have said, well, thanks, but we'll use it for ourselves. 
And in doing that, we have broken the relationship that the creator intended us to enjoy with him. And this is something that I, I just have to keep on learning because it doesn't come out of the, the practices of my people, right? But this, this reality that we live in a world where gifts are essential. Gifts are not, just are not just nice to give, but gifts, the reality of gifts, are actually essential to life. And there's a Follow me for a second here. So there, there's a Western, uh, Western's not the right word, European philosopher who said, look, if you give somebody a gift, have I told you this before? If you give somebody a gift, you're being a jerk. You're doing something bad. Do you know why? What's that? You're crippling them? That's a possibility. There's another reason why. Yes, you expect something back. And so if you give a gift, you, it's actually impossible to give a gift without strings attached. Which we, I think many of us would say, man, that seems true. How many of us have received a gift and felt bad about receiving the gift? Yes. He's right. In a Western, broken world. He's completely wrong when it comes to the cre creation and to the creator. If, if my child gives me a gift, even if she, okay, if she wants me to do something and she's like, Daddy, I'll give this to you, and it's like my, uh, it's her payoff, right? And like, Daddy, you know, you can keep this if you do what I want. Then I'm like, obviously, that's not good. But that's not what happens. How many of us have received a gift from a child or from somebody that we know is a free gift and it's just out of the abundance of their heart? We have. And what do you want to do when you receive that kind of a gift? Shout out some words. Hug them. I like that. Gratitude. What's that? What else? You want to cry. Tears of joy. Amen. You want to give back. Oh, man. The, like the gift? The giving of the gift is real. That desire to give back is not the manipulation, right, that comes with power differentials and all that kind of stuff. That is love. You give a gift, you receive a gift, you want to give back. That's love. That's the, that's the very life of God in us, his creatures, right? Because we, <laughs> get ready for it, we confess that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means that the Son depends on who for his existence? The Father, right? So the Son receives the gift of his existence from the Father. And the Son rejoices to give back his life to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus dies and humanity, right, a human being, gives himself back to the Creator... It is the revelation of God in our time and space. And there is no sin in it, for Jesus has defeated sin. But that is also what all creation has been longing for. That's what all creation is for, to receive the gift of life from God and to return it to God with joy and abundance and full obedience and trust. That's what it's all about. And it's that way, it's about that for all people in all times. 
And so when we talk about Jesus offering himself at the culmination of the ages, we are really saying that the point of all creation is revealed in Jesus Christ crucified. The point of every task you ever put your hands to is Jesus Christ crucified. The point of every conversation you've ever had where you seek to understand another person and you seek to, to empathize with them, you want to you connect with them, you are participating in Jesus Christ crucified. That's God. And Jesus Christ crucified, his perfect obedience is powerful enough to overcome and to end all sin, all sources of uncleanness, all sources of violence and evil within us. His death, his life and death has accomplished it all. It is not on my shoulders. It is not on your shoulders. He has accomplished it all. And the obvious objection to that is to say, well, okay, if he's accomplished it all, then aren't you just letting all of the Christians who pray a prayer escape from their responsibility to their neighbor? You pray a prayer to say that you believe in Jesus, and now you, since he's done it all, you don't, you don't have to struggle with evil? Is that, is that the reality? No. Why not? We want to give, right, right. So if we are participating in Jesus, if we are truly trusting in Jesus, then his heart of love for our neighbor is going to grow within us, absolutely. But there's also the good news in verse, is it 28? Where it says, oh, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. There's the good news in that verse, that we are destined to die once and then to face the judgment. For us to place our faith in Jesus is not to say that we get out of judgment. We don't. To place our faith in Jesus does not mean that we just carry on with our sin. It's not what it means. It means that we accept God's judgment of our sin now. We don't avoid judgment. Instead, we accept judgment. And when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in Christ and we are baptized, we are being baptized into his death. Which means that as Christians, when we say that Christ died for us, we also say Christ, sorry, we also say that we are dying in Christ. I'm not seeing heads nodding, so let me go over that one again. <laughs> Many of us have been taught, right? We've been taught that Jesus died on the cross to take our punishment so that we don't have to go through punishment. And we, and we identify judgment with punishment, right? So we're like, well, Jesus took the consequences of my bad behavior, and so because of that, God's justice has been satisfied. Now I'm free. I, I live without the consequences. Which, without getting into all the detail of that, is, it's problematic. There, like, there's, there's so much about that that is like, well, yes and no. 
Because the scriptures are very clear to us that absolutely our salvation is the gift of God's grace. But our salvation comes to us because we participate in the death of Jesus Christ with him. It's not the case that because <laughs> he took the blows, I can just be a jerk and I'm not going to get smacked. No. It's be, it's, it, the reality is that because he took the blows for me, in love for me, in, when, when I place my faith in him, I join him in that. I join him in that acknowledgement that my sin is sin and it leads to death and I need to repent of that. But because of Jesus' power to conquer my sin, to purchase forgiveness for me, and because his power is at work in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, the very real perfect goodness of God is going to grow in us as a community, in my heart, in my mind, in us as a church. God is giving himself to us. And the way for us is always to become the gift with Jesus. To become the gift with Jesus. Jesus said, um, here am I with all of those that you have given me. Jesus said to the Father, Father, I have not lost anybody that you've given me. Jesus, uh, John the Baptist said, uh, when people came to him and said, look, this guy Jesus over there, he's got lots and lots of followers. Should we like, what, what's up with that? Isn't that a problem? John the Baptist said, look, the friends of the bridegroom can only rejoice when the bridegroom is here, right? I'm not about gathering followers for myself. He is the one who is marrying the bride. Like, we belong to Jesus. And so, so in Jesus Christ, we are the gift that he is giving back to the Father. We are participating in his death with him. And that is amazing news. That is amazing joy. Because in Jesus Christ, sin is done away with. In Jesus Christ, the life of God, the eternal life of the good, good creator is present here and now. And we have the joy of offering that to others. And we offer that when we become the gift. Now, Look at, the, look at the table over here, right? You've got the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. You've got the cracker and the wine. Jesus is the one who said to us, this is my body and this is my blood. Well, what happens to food when it goes into our bodies? The process, right? Somebody shouted out, what happens to food? You digest it. And then what happens when you digest it? It fills you. What else? You are what you eat, praise be to God. You are what you eat, right? You, you know that. If you've been working out, you've got to fuel up. You've got to actually eat well so your muscles will gain the nutrients from the food. The food, the food will, make your, will become part of your body. And, and we all know that you know, the amazing fruit that makes the juice that goes into our system will nourish us and, and, and hydrate us, but then our, the water from our bodies will go out back into the ecosystem, and we're, we're connected through these elements to all of creation, right? But Jesus, Jesus said that this is his body and his blood. So without getting into the conversations about how that works, the reality is that when, what Jesus is doing is he's making us his body. 
He is making the church his body, the very body that he offered back to the Father on the cross. We are becoming the gift that Jesus is. And so on a practical level, I just want to ask, like, how connected are you in your experience? How connected are you to the reality that God has given you and that you are a gift given, being given back to the Father? That God has given you life, that he has done away with sin, that he has given you eternal life, and that you are being given back to him. How connected are you to that reality? I was thinking about that, and I, and I think, man, I feel very inadequate myself when I think about gift giving. Because always, I'm always aware of other people who give gifts better than I do, or, or I'm aware of how, how, like, how it's like second or third thought in my head. After all the things I need to think about, the, the last thing I think about is the gift that I should have showed up with. But also, you guys think about how many times in friendships we, we, we complain maybe about people who are takers. And we just say, I'm always the one who's giving. Right? And when we come to church, sometimes people are like, well, I didn't get much out of that. Right? And when we give, sometimes we are, like, our giving to other people feels like it's a drain on us. And it's a source of complaining. Which just tells us, like, somehow we've, we've just lost touch with the creator. We've lost touch with the one who's making us a gift, right? So I don't know about you, but I, but I do wonder, like, how connected are you to the reality today that your life in Jesus Christ is a gift? A gift for your coworkers, a gift for your family members, a gift for your neighbors. You are, you are given as a gift. And it doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter what your mental health status is right now. You are given as a gift. And Jesus is making you a gift that is utterly delightful and acceptable to God, our Heavenly Father. Because he has done it. He has done it. And when I look around, uh, around through these awesome windows and I look at this neighborhood, right? And I think about um, the many gifts that God has already given to this place. I think about the, um, just over here, there's a lawn bowling kind of, like it's a Cambodian lawn bowling pit. And it's like, people are there all the time. And they are loud. They're having a great time. They're super skilled. I'm like, man, they got these really hard like metal balls. It's like on point. It's really amazing. Um, the gardens, right? People are gardening here. The abundance of the, of the life here. Think about the schools, the teachers that, that are giving to their children in class there. And, and so that's, that's Chippewa Public School there, and that's Evelyn Harrison back there. You think about the kids that every morning say goodbye to their parents or say hello, the greetings and blessings, the words that are given in this neighborhood every day. We've got six months here to start, <laughs> by God's grace. We've got six months. God is, is wanting us to be a gift, right? He's wanting us to be a gift to this neighborhood, just to offer ourselves in Christ, to let Jesus make of us what he wants us to be. That's it. It's nothing, nothing more spectacular or less spectacular than that. 
but it is the life of God that we're participating in, the life of our creator who gave us life and Christ who gave creation back to the Father at the culmination of the ages. That's what we're living into right now. Let's pray. Lord, uh, your mysteries are beyond us, and yet, um, and yet we can all relate to gifts. We all give and receive gifts. Thank you that in that gift giving and receiving, um, somehow, mysteriously, you, you are showing us who you are, and you are delighted. You are present. Jesus, we just recognize that the only reason our gifts are, are good and acceptable is because you have given all things back to the Father. And you are the delightful gift. You're the perfect gift given in our place. So would you please uh, just clear out the junk inside of our own hearts and experience uh, that keeps us from enjoying the gift that you've given and from giving the gift of ourselves to others. Lord, forgive us for where we don't, like, for where we shut ourselves off to your generosity. Forgive us, God, for where we, uh, we complain about demands that we have to face. Um, forgive us, Lord, for where, for where we, we just hold on to our life instead of laying down our life with you. Jesus, as we come to the table, would you uh, both convict us and would you bring us consolation? Would you show us uh, your sufficiency, that you have done everything that is needed? And would you show us your power, the next step we need to take in, in obedience to you, and the power that you give us to take that step? Pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thanks.